going to be giving the message. I'll give him a second to get up here and get another microphone plugged in. But Pastor Bruce is helping uh, Nathan and Brittany move into a, a, a new home, and so they needed a little extra time. So, Scott, we'll let you take it from here. So I would say that one of the things I do not enjoy about um, getting to... <laughs> All right, laugh it up. <laughs> so I say one of the things I don't enjoy about um, uh, getting to fill in with Pastor Bruce is the mics. So if this thing starts wiggling and flapping, sorry, okay? I hope you can hear me. Um, okay, and um, yeah. That's going to kill me. So, <laughs> this here. All right. So, you guys didn't know you were coming to a little comedy routine. <laughs> really wasn't that funny, but hey, you know. Um, <laughs> all right, here's what we're going to do we're going to pray because we, we need some prayer, right? Let's pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can <laughs> smile and laugh um, and enjoy each other um, and, and just laugh at, at me, Lord. Father, I thank you for, um, for just fellowship and friendship, Lord. I thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that, that hold each other accountable, Lord, and, and um, work together to glorify you. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to focus, Lord. Give us, give us um, just razor-sharp focus to, to hear your word and to apply that to our lives, Lord. Father, um, I love you. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to, to speak your word. Lord, I pray um, that you would give me just clarity of mind and clarity of speech. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, um, so this morning we are going to be studying about peace. All right, so here's the first thing I want you to do. And I'm not kidding, all right? So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. You can close your eyes or keep them open. And it's going to feel like longer than 30 seconds. Trust me. We'll give you 30 seconds. And I want you to just what comes to your mind when you think of the word peace. Okay? Go ahead. So, I believe that God has designed us to all desire peace. 
And it's very important that we as his children have the right picture, the right clarity of understanding what the peace of God is. Right? And so nobody's going to judge you on the pictures that were in your mind because we don't know them. Hopefully we still wouldn't judge you on them. But the idea is let's make sure that we have the right picture, the right idea about what Jesus says to his disciples and what he says to us about peace. So this morning we're going to look at some things. We're going to look at what is peace? Where does it come from? We're going to look at what it does. And then lastly, we're going to look at what may be robbing us of the peace that God would have for us. So we're going to start John chapter 14 and verse 27. Okay, so John 14, verse 27. So we're picking up kind of in the middle here of Jesus' conversation with his disciples on the night that he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, John chapter 13 through the end of 16, all of those chapters are about Jesus pouring himself into his disciples. Really, you could say those last teachings of Jesus. And he tells them many things in this. And in this time, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of doubt, there was a lot of worry, there was a lot of anguish that may have been rising up in them. We don't know that for sure. But just from the way that Jesus, you see his loving kindness towards them, the things that he's saying to them, how he's encouraging them and pushing them forward, we understand that this was definitely a major time of turmoil. During this conversation that Jesus has, what we have recorded, Jesus tells them many things, but he tells them he is giving them two things. There are two things he says he's going to give them. One, he says he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. Amen? And aren't you thankful for that? I, 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 I'll be honest with you. Like When I look at my life, I feel at times as it's a very defeated life. I don't feel as if I'm glorifying God the way that I want to. But then I imagine, what if I was living without the Holy Spirit? Right? And the Holy Spirit just came like, kind of in the Old Testament, right? And you could have the presence of the Holy Spirit there, but then it left. We, as His children, now have been given the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even says it's to our advantage. He tells His disciples, it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go away, I'm sending the Comforter. It's pretty amazing. The second thing in this set of uh, chapters that He says that He's giving them is peace. You probably could have guessed that, right? Probably. All right. So verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is giving them his peace. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. So let's just kind of get it nailed down properly. Where does peace come from? It comes from God to His children. The Bible says that there is no peace for the wicked, which would mean the unrighteous, those who don't have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we 
If you are his child, you have been given peace. So where does it come from? Talked about that a little bit. We're going to look a little bit deeper into that. So what is it? You could probably define it in different ways. I want to first talk about the world's peace. Jesus says, I'll give you my peace, not the world's peace. There's a lot of different things that we could put in there about the world's peace and could define it in different ways and look at it from different angles. But I think one thing that just kind of sums it up is the world's peace is the absence of something. The world's peace is the absence of turmoil, the absence of war, the absence of something, whatever, right? It's the absence of something. But the peace that Jesus gives is the presence of something. So it's very important. Right off the bat, they're opposites. Right off the bat, Jesus says, hey, I give you my peace, not the world's peace, but my peace. And then he demonstrates his peace to them as he goes to the cross. And that's the peace that he gave them and the peace that's there for us. So it's a presence of something. What is it a presence of? And again, you can define this different ways. Matter of fact, I read something, I liked it, and then I read it in the first sermon. I was like, I'm going to change part of that. So if you're here for the first sermon, you're going to hear a, a, a different ending. So the presence of what? Here's what peace is. It's the presence of an inner calm or tranquility that's given to a believer... And it's based on unwavering confidence, assurance in the character of God. All right, I'm going to read that again. The world's peace is the absence of conflict. God's peace is the presence of calm, tranquility given to a believer based on the unwavering confidence and assurance and the character of God. What's the character of God? That's a lot of sermons, right? It's a lot of study. But when I think of the character of God, I immediately think of his sovereignty. I'm going to say it wrong. His sovereignty. He's in complete control, right, of all things. I think of his goodness, his desire to bring the, give the best to his children. I think of his holiness, Basically, his complete set-apartness, his righteousness. The point is, our peace comes from our understanding and our unwavering confidence in who God is, and it has nothing to do with our experiences around us. Okay? It sounds a lot like joy, right? Peace and joy are connected. I think peace, I, don't, I think if you have joy, you got peace. If you have peace, you got joy. They're defined a little bit differently, but they're there together. And so let's look a little bit further at this idea of the words and the way that Jesus communicates to them. So he tells them in John 14, 27, right? He gives them peace. And then in John 16, 33, uh, what we see in John anywhere, anyway, and you might see it differently in um, the other Gospels. But this, I think from, from what I read through here, this is the last collective statement or teaching that he says to his disciples. I mean, I know Jesus is always teaching his disciples. Like when they came to the garden, whatever Jesus was doing was teaching his disciples, right? But one of the last things that he collectively teaches them, says to them is this in verse 33. He says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We see a lot of things there. So again, where is our, where, 
where does our peace come from? How about it comes from the victory that Jesus Christ has had over the world? Right? What I want to point out here, though, is that's one of the last things he says to them. Peace is a big deal. Peace is powerful. And we're going to look at that. When we look at what does peace do, we're going to look at the power that peace accomplishes. Jesus was investing in them, telling them all about this peace. And I want to point out something. In between 14 and 16, what we just read, Jesus tells them that uh, you're, not, you're not greater than your master. And he says, yeah, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Uh, he says that, oh, yeah, they're going to try to kill you. And when they try to kill you, they think they're doing God a favor. Right? So, like, he, he's not sugarcoating things so they have this warm, cuddly feeling. Some of peace is, right? Jesus, Jesus is a real deal, man. He's speaking the truth always. But, of course, he's pouring himself into these men. All right, turn with me to John chapter 20. In verse 19. So again, from, from my understanding, I didn't cross-reference this back with the other Gospels, but in John's Gospel, this is the first time that we read where he talks to the collective group. Okay? So John 20, verse 19. Then the same day <clears throat> at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst... And what did he say to them? Yeah, you can say it. What did he say? Peace be with you. His first words to them. So can we just take from this that Jesus desperately wants you to have peace? He desires that for you. He desires you to have an unshakable peace. For many reasons. One, because that's what's best for you. Too, because that's what's going to glorify him. When we have that type of peace, man, we're kind of unstoppable, right? We're not afraid. We're, we're powerful Christians. You know, you don't think that the power, being a powerful Christian, starts with this peace, but I think it, I think it does. I think it does. This settledness in your heart and in your soul that's deep down within you and is a foundation for you. All right, so we looked at what is peace? Where does it come from? Now we're going to look at what it is again, just real quick. I think I've already said it. I'll just bring it very explicitly. It is absolutely internal. It is absolutely internal. Internal. So it can't be external, or Jesus was lying to him, right? Like clearly it's internal. It's an internal thing. Okay, so go back to the question where. We're kind of doing what, where, what, where, and then we're going to get to the other questions. So where does it come from? I want, to be, I, want to, I want to look at two types of peace real quick. We've been talking about the second type of peace that, that you could say is subjective or it's experienced in our lives. But there's, a, there's another type of peace that would be objective that's just really just like statement of fact. You're either at peace with God or you're at war with God. You're an enemy of God. And so I didn't know that. I didn't, when I was unsaved, I didn't know I was at war with God. I didn't realize that that's what I was, but I was. That's what Scripture says. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. 
says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To say you're at peace with God is to say that you are saved. It's to say that you have been changed. You have, you have become a child of God. You have submitted your life to Him as Lord and Savior. Because I believe, if I'm, I believe there's a scripture, and I'm sorry, I don't know where it is, but it literally says Jesus Christ is our peace. Right? Is that reference? Okay. Jesus Christ is our peace. How is He our peace? Well, He is what made us at peace with God. He stood in the gap for us, if you will. He covered us. He took all the punishment, right? Verse 10 of chapter 5 says, if, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We were enemies. Jesus made us to be at peace with God. He is our peace. We are no longer at war with God. He has accepted us. And we're not at war. We're actually His child. So that's a big deal because it's that, that type of peace, being at, being at peace with God, is what allows us to have peace. Look, if you're not at peace with God, meaning you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, you can't have this peace we're talking about. You can't have this internal, deep, depth peace that we're talking about. It's for it's for Christians. And it's based on what? It's based on our salvation. It's based on being at peace with God. So, I don't know about you, but this snuck up on me as I was preaching in the last service, not even as I studied, God convicted my heart. And he said, so you've got peace, Scott, because I've given it to you. Look at the world around you and the number of people who are unsaved and are on their way to hell. And this world is eating them up. And they have no peace. They are frightened. They are afraid. They are overwhelmed. And God spoke in my heart and He said, Are you sharing my peace with them? Are you explicitly sharing the gospel with them? The world's right. God is using everything around us, always. See it for what it is. And use this as an opportunity to talk about the peace of God. And yeah, you're going to try to explain that to an unbeliever, and they're going to be like, what? Because the Bible says, that's actually what we're getting ready to look at next, is it's unexplainable. It's un Even as Christians, we have a hard time explaining the peace of God that we receive and for some of us, and even for me, I, I would love to say that that peace of God stays in there with me all the time, but unfortunately, because of my brokenness and because of my sinfulness, it doesn't. But praise God, I have fully experienced it at times in my life where God just wrapped His arms around me in that peace like He always wants to do. And to explain that to somebody, it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to say it exactly, but you can say, man, they can see it in your life. Are people looking at you right now in your life and seeing you have a certain sense of peace that they don't have? Our lives show it out, whether we're at peace or not. And if you're not, don't look at this as God condemning you for not being at peace, yes. Having fear, worry, that's sin. But God's saying, come, 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 come. Give me your burdens. Give me your burdens. Even as Christians, give me, give me your burdens. 
Give it to me. I want you to understand. I want you to fully be immersed in the peace that I've already given you. So maybe that's what God's speaking to you today. Maybe you're going through things that are just overwhelming you, and it happens. It can feel like in life that you're being bombarded with missiles from every single direction, right? And it can feel overwhelming. But true, genuine peace is still possible at all moments if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Why? Because it's inner calm and tranquility that's based on unwavering confidence in God, not in anything else. Okay. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. We've talked about what? We've talked about where. Where does it come from? It comes from God. Specifically, we know it came from Jesus to his disciples. It comes from the Holy Spirit as a fruit of the Spirit. We also know where does it come from. It comes from Jesus Christ on the cross being at peace with God. So what else is it? And we'll come back to this verse for some other things. And I actually already said it, said it sort of, but let's look at it together. Verse 6 and 7 of chapter 4 of Philippians says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's supernatural, right? It's unexplainable. We'll come back to this verse, man. I'm ready to jump in and get on some more of it, but we'll come back to it in a moment. Okay. So what does peace do? You can kind of think on that in a moment. You probably can answer that from your, some of your own experiences. What has peace, true, genuine peace from God, done in your life? And go ahead and answer that in your mind. I think there are a lot of different answers. There's a lot of different applications of how that looks different. But we're going to look at some of the things that Scripture says peace directly does. So Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. So this section, verse 12 through something, I don't know if it's 17... Um, but, it's, but it's a section that talks about the character of the new man. It talks about the change in you whenever you become at peace with God, right? When Jesus Christ changes you. And in the middle of this section, we have this verse that says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. So, I know for me, there are times in my life that, sorry, guys, I'm not playing on my phone, trust me. Um, there are times in my life that I'm being ruled or governed by everything around me, my experiences, my emotions, my relationships. Those things are the what's governing how I feel and what I'm doing and, and, and how I'm responding to things. 
right? Anybody with me? Anybody live their lives sometimes that way? And look, we're humans, right? We experience life. Like we have, we have our five senses of hear, taste, touch, smell, see. Yes. Yes. All right. Sorry, it's the pressure. Um, all right. Um, so like we're going to experience wor- the world and God designed us to sp- experience the world. And we're going we're gonna to kind of, you know, move up and down with our experiences, hopefully just on the surface level and it's not in deep inside of us externally, right? But here's the thing. God says to us, it's peace that's to rule us. It's peace that's to govern you. Whenever you're making a decision, it sh- it's not fear that should be governing your decision. It's not worry that should be governing your decision. Whenever you're responding to situations in your life or when you're thinking or whenever you're having relationships, it's the peace of God that is supposed to be governing us. It's supposed to be overseeing or ruling over us. It, it, is, it is supposed to have a, a major impact in keeping ourselves in check and driving us in our decisions. And if you're like me, you'd like to say, yeah, and that's what I do. Well, there's hope. One, Jesus calls us always to come to him, ask forgiveness, right? Two, there will be one day where you do that 100% of the time. Amen? I'll be in heaven. That'll be in the New Jerusalem, whatever. That'll be... That'll be an amazing, amazing time. However, look, just because we can't do it perfectly doesn't mean we don't try, right? I love how, man, God God sets the bar here. Do you know God says be holy? Because you understand that situation, right? Like he's saying be holy, be perfect. But then there's so much grace in knowing that like, yeah, we're we're going to sin, we're going to mess up. Seek forgiveness. So I guess the point that I'm saying here is as you're listening to this and you're like, man, I don't have that peace. I know I'm saved, but I don't have that peace. Okay. God wants to give it to you. Ask for it. Say, Lord, forgive me of not claiming the peace that you've given me. Say, Lord, I don't even know how to do this, but help me. He's listening. He's there. He wants it. He wants it for you. He wants it for you. For many reasons. One, he wants what's best for you. Two, uh, God wants to be glorified. He demands to be glorified. And when we're at peace, man, we're going to worship him. Right? That's where you're supposed to say amen. amen. All right? I got it. I got a few of you. Okay. What else does the peace of God do? We're going to flip back. I mean, I, don't, I guess I should have just stayed in Philippians, but I wanted to do that one first. So Philippians chapter 4. Verse 6 and 7 again. All right, we got the call. Be anxious for nothing. Man, I love that one on my mom, right, when I was growing up. I don't know if any of you experienced this, right? Your mother's worry a little bit sometimes over you, you know. It could have been she was worrying extra for me because I wasn't making wise decisions, right? God tells us not to worry. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, what's it going to do? It's going to guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look, this word guard here is like, um, like this idea of a soldier and protection. So I, I mentioned earlier, and this is kind of a silly, silly kind of thought, but like 
if you think about your mind, so you could drop your brain out or whatever, but just picture your mind there and soldiers all around it. And on their shields, they get, it says peace, the peace of God. Peace of God. It's pretty cool. The peace of God is protecting you, protecting your mind when we, when we grab hold of that peace of God. Because look, there are lots of things that want to get at our mind. And what is it protecting us from? I already mentioned some. Worry, fear, hopelessness, despair. How about resentment towards God? How about anger in your relationships? Look, the peace of God protects you from much. It protects you from all kinds of sin. It protects you. It, it guards your mind and it guards your heart. And it says, we're not going to let fear and worry and doubt and faithlessness and despair and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness in there. Amen. Amen. So remember earlier when I said the power of peace? I don't think before I studied this and before God gave this to me, I would, have, I would have said that phrase and would have seen it that way. But when you see what it, what it does, what God says it's going to do, it's going to rule our hearts, it's going to guard and protect our minds, it's pretty powerful. So what else does it do? So kind of read between the lines a little bit on this. But um, Paul says in, in, in chapter 4 of, uh, of Philippians, verse 11, he says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am, this is the focus here, whatever state I am, to be content. Right? He's talking about peace. No matter what's going on, I can be at peace. And then that makes me think, like, all right, I don't know of any, and, and there certainly may have been other, other believers in Scripture who could have said that and not be lying. Um, but Paul could say it there. Right? He had gotten to this part in his life, the point in his life where he could say it, like, I'm content always. I'm at peace always. And so when you think about Paul, you think about, all right, here's a man of God who is getting the, getting the work done. Right? He wasn't just like taking his peace and being like, man, I feel good. And like chilling on the couch, watching the Cubs. Which recently, that would not give me peace. <laughs> Go Cubbies. All right, my bad on that. Um, no, but the point is, Paul, and I think I'm oversimplifying the case here, right? But Paul took that piece, and he went and got the work done. He went and got the work done. He, so, so, so really, that piece was this motivating factor. It was like, in some ways, like kind of that bedrock, I think, for him, some of that foundation for him, where you could say, you know what? I have the presence of an inner calm in me, it's based on my unwavering confidence in who my God is. And because of that, I can go get the job done. I can have courage, right? When you think about boldness, you think about Paul and many others. Courage, you think about Paul and many others. So power helps get the job uh, Power, of course, does. Peace helps get the job done. So I, I would be remiss... Uh, if any time I can fit these verses in a sermon or a, um, uh, a Sunday school lesson or something, I do it. I just love these verses. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. A little bit about me. Daniel's probably my like biblical hero, of course, besides Jesus. Um, we're going to turn to Daniel, and then the story's not about Daniel, so that doesn't make 
a lot of connection there. But I love the story of Daniel. I think of Daniel as being a man of true, genuine peace in God. But these men that we look at here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends who were faithful to God. Just a quick update on the story if you don't know it. So they're in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is a pretty wicked man at this time. And, um, but he knows these guys. He set these guys up, and God's, God's favors allow them to be set up to have some, some pretty, pretty good job in, in, in the government. So he knows these men personally, or at least he knows of them. He certainly knows Daniel personally. And he builds this huge statue after Daniel tells him what his dream is about. And there was a statue in the dream. And he builds a huge statue, and he says, all right, everybody's got to bow down and worship this. And if you don't, I'm going to light you up. If you don't, I'm going to incinerate you. So he calls all his people, you know, in any kind of, um, just all kinds of people there. And they play the music, whatever. And Sherek, Meshach, and Abednego are like, nah, we're not bowing. So they get told on, you know, somebody tattles on them. And then they get brought before the king. And the king looks at them in the face and says, look, I'm going to give you another chance. Okay? Give me a chance. If you hear this and don't bow, you are going to die. Okay. It doesn't sound peaceful, right? Am I the only one on that? Here's what they answered. And I don't think, I don't see anything about peace in the verses, but I don't think they could answer this way if they didn't have that peace of God inside of them. And I don't mean that there was no way they didn't have some nerves or whatever. Like, sure, I think they may have, but maybe didn't. Maybe they didn't at all. Maybe they had that full, encompassing, wrapped arms of peace around them. But here's what they said. Love it. First thing they say out of their mouths, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're like, dude, whatever. You're not even worth our time to really answer this. Like, so if that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand. That's a pretty powerful verse. But the next verse is what's just so amazing. But if not, because we read this story and we're like, oh yeah, God saves them. They didn't know. You know how many times Jesus saved people from burning, burning fiery furnaces before? Maybe zero. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we have any record before this of it happening. So they say in verse 18, But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image which you have set up. So I believe the peace of God, among other things, certainly faith and all kinds of things that God was giving them, they were able to say, Look, king, if we die, we die. If not, we don't. God's in control, and God's going to do what he's going to do. But we're not going to serve you. That's some pretty serious boldness, isn't it? Some pretty serious strength and courage. So I think that, what does it do? I would say that we know peace rules or governs us. It can. God desires that for us. Third, I mean, secondly, it guards, it protects us. It guards our minds and hearts. It protects us from many Many things that would, that would grab a hold of us and own us. There are many things that, that, that seek to own us, to empower, put their um, power over us. Uh, thirdly, we could say it gives us courage, strength, boldness, etc. Right? Okay. 
So, the last thing we're going to look at. Let me back up. So we've looked at what is peace. Then we looked at where it came from. We know that peace is inner, inside. It's, unwa- from, it's based on our unwavering confidence in who God is. We know that it comes from God to his children. We know that it does mighty things in our life. Protects us, rules over us, gives us courage and strength. But if you're like me, sometimes you're robbed of your peace. So, let's see. All right. Didn't spill it yet. Excellent. So, here's the thing. I think as Christians, most of us, not, if not all of us, recognize that peace on a like, grand scale for this world ain't happening until Jesus comes and sets up his kingdom. I mean, the word of God tells us that. And I don't think many of us, and maybe you know, some, of you, some of you do struggle with that, um, but I don't think many of us have a hard time seeing that and understanding that. But I do think that in our lives sometimes we either consciously or subconsciously begin to think of peace in the same way that the world thinks of peace in an individual level. We begin to sometimes think that, you know what, it's the absence of the mess. And so life does this to us. So we're going to think about, everybody see my water here, right? Just, uh, we're going to think about this, the top as being like on the outside, like the exterior, right? And then the bottom as being the inside, right? The depths of us. And so life looks like this and then it stops. For some of us, it looks like this, like a long time, right? Just it's, and then stops. I think in those moments of stopping, we in our brains will define, oh yeah, that's peace. And I need this to stay. I need this to stay like this. And, and look, it's a blessing when God gives us those times of external peace. That's not bad, right? It's not bad. And I think that, I think that there are times where, where God knows us and he knows that we're at a spot where it's time for us to have some peace on this outside around us and all the mess that's going on, right? God knows that his, his children, sometimes it feels like missiles and bombs and grenades and landmines and tanks and everything else you could think just aimed at us, dropping it on us. And that may be where you are right now. And maybe you're in a long period of that. But God's peace in all of that mess can still keep us from being unshaken below. But what we have to do, and the reason that I'm bringing this up and I'm going to do a little demonstration in a moment, is I think what robs us of our peace sometimes is we begin to have the wrong expectation. We know it here. Most of us, maybe all of us know it here that life's not going not to be calm but we've experienced calm parts of our life and we're like, oh, please, like, can it just be calm like this for like ever? Right? But when we do that and then something hits us, it's like it's 
we're, we're blown. We're blown out of the way. We're blown out of the water. We don't know what's going on. It's like, what do you mean? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And I'm sure many of us have been there at times. God's always there. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. I think he says it four times in Scripture. I love that. That's amazing. So, we've got to have the right expectations. I want you to think about these little blocks. Eli was so excited. Eli's my son. He was so excited I brought these to church because I left a bag for him in the 9 o'clock. He played with them, and um, he, did, he did a pretty good job being quiet, but about, I think it was about this time in the service, I heard him go, Ugh! I looked over. I talked to Mama afterwards, like, what is happening? He said, my tower fell down. I was like, oh. <laughs> then I said, he wasn't listening to that sermon about peace, was he? Okay, sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, so here's the deal. We've defined, right, this is the outside, the exterior, right? That's, that's going to be a mess. Um, let's look at each of these as just being something, something that comes at you. So, I, and I don't mean to trivialize anything. I'm just wanting to give this, give this idea here. So, so maybe, maybe this is, this is um, somebody in your life getting cancer. Maybe this is this losing your job. Maybe um, this is your kid... Um, not, not staying faithful to God. Maybe uh, this is your wash machine breaks and you go to Lowe's and you see the prices and you're like, what? <laughs> that was a little specific, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> the things that disrupt our world can be big and they can be small, right? But they're all things that kind of break that break that surface tension. We want that surface tension to be tight and calm and smooth. So how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but like you could think in your life and maybe even right now you're being hit with that many things. Maybe you're being hit with more right now. Maybe you're being hit with everything that's there and I got about 40 more in that bag. That happens. And it's hard and it's tough and it's horrible. But as Christians... They can be these light things that float for us. So watch. Here's, here's the example. Once you just look at what part of the water is going to be disturbed, you probably kind of guessed already where I was going with this, but that's okay. So what part of the water was disturbed? Yeah, the top, the surface. And it got a little bit below, right? But it didn't get down to the bottom. Why? Well, because these, these are light and they float. But <laughs> as a Christian, why? Because our peace isn't based on external. It's not. Don't let your mind like, start to think that it is. Because, right, like, again, I've said it multiple times, we have senses. God created us to live in this world and experience the things of this world. And we're going to move up and down with things. I mean, Ecclesiastes, there's a, there's a time to mourn, there's a time to rejoice, there's a time to die, there's a time to live. It goes on and on and on and on and on, right? Like, we're going to experience life, right? Mourning's not sinful, right? Um, all kinds of like emotions are not sinful. But they should be the outside. They should be the surface. They should not rule and govern us. Because what happens down here, deep down inside of us, that's what's grabbed a hold of us, ruled and governed us. So, here's what we do sometimes. We play in water cubes no um 
Here's what we do sometimes. And I wish this was the same size, but we'll, uh, we'll just take one thing. One thing. Let's say somebody in your family gets cancer, right? We just dropped in, I don't know, 12 things. One thing. I'll even drop it from lower. What was disturbed? Right? I wouldn't say all of it, right? But the bottom, right? This section here, right? That's just one thing. So, I couldn't find about 18 golf balls, so I'll just use five. But, look, this happens to us as Christians, too. We turn the things that God would want to float into, into heavy things that sink. The whole thing. The whole thing. Right? God doesn't want that for you. But one thing that I want to point out here is unbelievers, people that don't know Christ as their Savior, people that are not at peace with God, this is what's hitting them. So be, have grace. You know, I was telling somebody, God, God was really working on my heart with this, and you could apply this a lot of different ways, right? Not just pandemic stuff, but like, I work with some people, and man, the fear and anxiety over the virus is owning them. And if I'm not careful, what do I do? Think in my life, that's ridiculous. Well, a few things. One, they don't have Jesus. Death is the is horrific, right? Like that's that's all that they either maybe all they believe in, or or they certainly don't have the peace of God that's stabilizing them. So so what's the point? The point for me is, and the point that I wanted, the reason I wanted to share is that 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 those that don't know Christ, of course they're going to handle things differently. They better. You better not be handling them the same way they are. If you are, where's the difference, right? And so when you're handling it differently, whatever it is, whatever it is, your life should show that you have the peace of God in you. Amen? And when it doesn't and God shows you, pray and ask for it. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we got to share the gospel. We got to share the gospel. We got a chance for, the, for life's worries to not overcome us. Unbelievers, where do they go? Do you ever think about that? Where do they go when they find out that this is going on or that's going on or there's a pandemic or there's riots in the street or, there's, or, or someone, just, someone in their family just died? Where do they go when they find out they have cancer? Where do they go when they lose their job? We go to Jesus because we have him. They don't. Share Jesus with them. They need him. They need him. So what robs us of our peace? Unrealistic expectations. What else robs us of our peace? How about focusing on our problems and not the promises of God? Look at Isaiah chapter 26. Verse 
So where does your mind go? Where does your focus go? Where does your heart and effort go in life? Look at what God says to his people in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. He says, you, that's God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. So what robs us of our peace? Our focus. What are we focusing on? We're just going to focus on our problems? And I don't mean... Right, And I hope I've said it enough time. Like We live in a world right, with, with, with life and we're going to have problems. God is not telling us to pretend like they're not there. God's not telling us that whenever your tires are bad and you don't really have the money you need to go buy them, but, but you do have it, but you don't want to spend it to be like, pretend like your tires aren't bad. No, that's silly. That's, that's, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Some of you have done that, I know. Um, He's not saying, pretend like your problems aren't there, right? We understand the difference between acknowledging something and focusing on it, right? I think sometimes we acknowledge God and focus on everything else. And that's ridiculous, right? God's convicted my own heart of many things that I'm saying here. So we acknowledge our problems, clearly, but we focus on God. He says, whose mind is stayed on God stayed focused another thing let's not focus on our problems let's focus on god but let's focus on the promises of god too right let's let's claim some promises in our life some of us don't claim promises because we don't know what they are well here's here's a few two actually that's not a few there's a couple john back in john I love it. John chapter 14. Okay. I could have told y'all to hold a few places, huh? But that's all right. All right, we're back to Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's saying to them, in the midst of everything, where right, we know he says peace, peace, peace. Like that's, the, that's one of the overarching messages. There are others. He looks at him and says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Okay, what's Jesus doing here? He's saying, hey, you're going to be fine. Don't be troubled. You're going to be in heaven with me. I got you. Yeah, life's going to be a little rough. I'm still there with you then. I'm giving you peace. But I'm going to remind you of something. you got an eternity waiting for you. And I'm, and I'm going there. And I'm preparing it. And it's yours. So how about we focus on that sometime? When, when, when life is overwhelming you and it's, it's just too much, or even when it's not overwhelming you, not too much, how about we think about what Jesus has given us sometimes, huh? So, 
I think this is just a beautiful picture of Jesus. He, he, he tells them, right? He talks about the here and now with them. And he won't play games. He tells them what's going to happen. He tells them, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get you through this. You're going to worship me. You're going to follow me during this time. But let's think about this too. And I just, I found that awesome that he would do that for them and for us. All right, Romans 8, 28. If you... Uh, It's another promise of God. So the first promise of God, I guess we looked at, is that he's got you. There's a place in heaven for you. Romans 8.28 says, and there are other promises besides just this verse right in Romans 8. Um, there are lots of them, actually. But Romans 8 says, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, so those who love God and are called according to his purpose are his children. All of us. So, if you're a child of God, all things work together for good. Why? Because he loves you. Because he can. Because he's powerful enough to work everything in your life. To bless you, but also glorify him. That's a promise, folks. That's real. So, that certainly doesn't mean that what's for our good. There are times where I'm like, I don't think you know what's for my good, God. I probably don't say that, right? Who says that? I mean, sometimes, but who says that? But you think it, and you don't maybe even explicitly think it, but you act that way. You're like, God, you don't know what you're doing. What do you mean? What do you mean this happened to me? What do you mean? What do you mean that, that my child, this has happened to my child, or that's happened to my child? Right. Our good that Jesus is talking about, that God's talking about, is bigger than this life and this external right in those desperate times often is when we grow in Christ the most not always so so we looked at thinking about peace what is it hope you can answer that you don't have to use my definition certainly though it's, it's about an inner calm from God where to come from came from comes from God to his children what does it do? A lot of powerful stuff. And what robs you of your peace? Ask that differently that time. What robs you of your peace? I find that the name things helps me. It helps me a lot. So, so what do we do? Right? Every time we hear God's word, every time we hear a sermon, like, okay... What's the application? Well, I don't know. It's different for you and you and you and you. You may be, but I want us, before we leave here, what is God teaching me? And from knowledge comes understanding. That's not what I was going to say, but you're right. From knowledge and understanding comes application or comes wisdom. You can know stuff. Way to go. I can know that playing in the road, there's cars coming by and they might hit me and that's bad. I can know that. But if I go play in the road, what good was that? Right? I'm not sure this 
Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. What I'm trying to say is, look, you can hear this stuff and you can know this stuff mentally, but what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be on record. Here's what I'm going to do with it because God's convicted me of it twice, two different sermons. I got to share the gospel explicitly, right? Explicitly. I got to talk about the peace of God. I got to talk about it. I don't just show it. I need to show it, right? I need to show it, but I got to talk about it. I got to talk about what my, what my Savior is doing in my life. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're at a spot where you've got, it feels like the whole world caving in on you and, you're, and you're, your to-do list is to just go to God and say, God, take my burden. You know, he says, come to me, right? Come to me, those, those who are heavy laden. He says, come to me. If you're feeling overwhelmed right now and you're watching me drop stuff in the water and all this stuff, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm deep down. It's deep down got me. Come to God and just pray. That's, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're pray, God, help me have peace. Help me see what's robbing me of the peace. Because maybe you don't know. Or maybe you do know. Maybe that's your application. Maybe you heard some stuff or it wasn't even from here and God told you something else. Okay? So if it's robbing you of your peace, stop doing it. Right? Wish it was that easy sometimes. But I guess my whole point is I want to make sure that as Christians, when we hear the truth of God's word, we do something with it. So, the question is, what are you going to do? Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you that we can claim your scripture as the absolute truth. Man, that just clears things up. That gives us something to hold on to and latch on to and say, here's the truth. And Lord, from that truth, help us to each individually see how it applies to our lives. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of peace. And you desire for all of your children. You desire for us to have peace. Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you for being my peace on the cross, for, for resurrecting, for fulfilling my debt so that I can no longer be an enemy of Jesus, an enemy of God, but a son of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can everyone stand, please?